Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Amen. Can we give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning? Father, I thank you for your presence that is in this house. God, I thank you for what you've done. I thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your mercy, O oh Lord. I thank you, Lord, because you are faithful, O oh God. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, you may be seated for just a few moments. My name is Luke. This is my wife, Samantha, our little guy, Asher. I want to say thank you to this ministerial team, Brother Osborne, and all, each of one, every one of you that are here today. God bless each and every one of you. To my Hatchbin brothers, Brother Daryl, Brother Toby, we met in Guatemala back in 2011 and have formed a bond. They're family. They're my brothers. May God bless each and every one of you, Pastor and Sister Boyd. I honor you today. I understand as district superintendent, he's pulled many directions, many duties. But I thank God for them and for them serving this great district and for each and every one of you. I feel the Lord is in this house today. And so we have a video, but I'm going to pause that for right now. We'll put that on hold. If you will stand this morning for the reading of the word, if you'll turn to the book of Jeremiah. We can talk about Costa Rica and the beautiful water and the waterfalls. We can discuss that after church. But I believe God has a word for someone and the presence of the Lord is so rich in here. I want to move forward in that vein right now. If you'll turn to the book of Jeremiah chapter 33. I'm not going to be long. I will close out with bringing my wife up here to give a testimony and she's the one you got to worry about. <laughs> Amen. Praise God. The book of Jeremiah, chapter 33, verse 3, the reading of the word reads, Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. My title this morning is to cry out unto God. <laughs> cry out unto God, and he will show thee great things, mighty things which thou knowest not. Hallelujah. We just prayed over some needs that are in this house, a prayer request that were made mentioned. If you'll put your Bibles down and if you will raise those needs once again to the Lord right now and begin to cry out to him, Father, in the name of Jesus, God, you see every need, every hand, every situation that's represented in this house today and all those needs that are on the outside today, God. We're going to cry out to you. We're going to call on your name. We're going to believe today, God. Oh, mighty God, in the name of Jesus, do a work, God, that only you can do. Your presence is in this house today, God. I understand anything is possible from this moment forward. God, don't let them hear my word, but your word. It's not my will, but your will, God. Not my timing, but your timing, God. Whatever season we find ourselves in today, God, we're going to cry out to you. In the name of the Lord Jesus, let everyone in the house say, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. 
My wife and I started our journey in Guatemala, and there's a story, but from Indiana to Guatemala to Costa Rica, and we can share later. We were on our, the AIM program in Guatemala. My wife's family, they've pastored many years in a town called San Lucas, second to Picas, and we had some dear friends at the church, and they were telling us that uh, previously, many years ago, that uh, the husband was out working in the, on, uh, on the mountainside. Everything is very mountainous in Central America, and so we don't have the harvesters and the combines and the soy pickers to pick the soybean and the corn, uh, tomato, veggies, you name it. And so this young man, his job was to take a machete and to cut the crop of that season. And so it was harvesting. He was harvesting corn, and at home was his wife and his young daughter. And uh, the family says that the young the mother went to her daughter and said, you know, daddy's going to come home hot, hungry, tired. What should we make him for dinner? And the little girl looked at her mom and said, let's make a pot of frijoles, a pot of bean soup. And so it was. The mama said, that's a great idea. Let's gather some wood. We'll put on a pot of beans and we'll make dinner for daddy. And so she got her young daughter. They went out in the yard. They began to gather some sticks and some firewood. And they put the wood together, built their fire, put the pot, the water, the beans and the young lady realized it was going to take some time, so she began to go through her cabinets looking for some spices, and she realized she didn't have any onions, and she didn't have any garlic. She didn't have any saboya, and she didn't have any ajo. And sin saboya, sin ajo, hermano, atrás, sí, gloria a Dios, amén, él sabe, él sabe si no hay ajo, he knows if there's no onion and there's no garlic, el frijol no está bueno, amén, gloria a Dios. Hallelujah, yo tengo hambre ahora, hallelujah, en el nombre de Jesús. And so this young lady thought, you know, my husband's coming home, I'll run to the market, I'll get the onions, I'll get the garlic, and he can watch the fire. And so it was, her husband came home, and he said, what are we going to have for dinner? I see the fire on. She said, well, I'm making a pot of bean soup, but I don't have any onions, and I don't have any garlic, can you just watch the fire? And he said, I've got that. And, and the young lady said, she went running out the door, and as the door was shutting behind her she yelled back oh by the way our daughter went to her room to play well the door was shutting and as all the ladies in the house say we men we don't pay attention when we're hungry especially and and so this young lady said her husband didn't hear a word he says I didn't pay attention I just heard the door shut she was yelling something but my job was to watch the fire so he grabbed him a chair and he pulled up by that fire and we've all sat around a campfire they pop they crack, they smell good, they're relaxing. And this young man said, in no time, this fire put him to sleep. So as he's asleep in the fire, he said, uh, that water began to boil and stir the fire. It began to fall out of the pot and stir the fire, and little embers began to fly out of that fire. He said he didn't have any clue any of this was taking place because he was fast asleep. But all of a sudden, one of them embers landed on a curtain above a window in that kitchen. Well, immediately it caught fire and the smoke and the fire began to fill that kitchen. And you can imagine this, their home was very little. And so it didn't take no time for the kitchen to be endorphed in, in, in smoke. This young man said he was asleep and he started to <coughs> cough a little bit, began to choke from that smoke. And that's what woke him up. When he opened his eyes, all he could see was a cloud of smoke, and he could see the fire spreading across that kitchen. He knew his house was on fire, 
And the only thing he could do was to run out, get a bucket of water, and start dumping water on it. So he runs out, he gets his water, he says he starts throwing water on the fire, and he realizes there's no way he can put the fire out, and there's no way to contain it. He was just going to lose it all and start over. And in the meantime, his wife was in the market, and she was looking over the avocados, the onions, some garlic, and she heard some other ladies talking about a fire coming from the direction of her house, but she paid no attention because she knew her husband was watching her fire, so he had nothing to worry about. She got her things, got to the checkout line, and the checkout lady said, did you happen to see the fire when you came in? And she said, no, but I heard some other ladies talking about it, and the cashier said, yeah, it's over on this direction of town, and the smoke was barreling across the, the town, and the young lady said, well, I live in that direction. It might be someone in my neighborhood. I don't know, but my, my husband, he's home watching my, my fire, thank God. Well, she got her thing, she checked out, and whenever she went out, she saw the smoke barreling from the direction of her house, and she began to walk quickly, but not real worried. It was when she rounded about the second block towards her house when she saw the huddle of people standing in her front yard. That's when she knew it was her house. She dropped her things, and she went running into the crowd of people, and she found her husband, and she said, where's our daughter at? And he said, what do you mean, where's our daughter at? Didn't she go with you to the market? She said, no. When I ran out the door, I yelled back, our daughter was in her room. At that moment, there was no way to reenter the house. The smoke, the fire had completely engulfed it. This young man thought, the only thing I can do is grab an axe, chop a hole in the back of the house where her room is, and try to pull her body out. He grabbed his axe, and he began to chop a hole just big enough to to, to to, to reach in and pull his daughter to safety. But as he began to chop, there was no voice. There was nothing, nothing going on. He's thinking, oh, no, I've lost her. And as he begins to rip the wood apart, it woke up the young daughter. And she began to yell, Daddy, Daddy, where are you? At that moment, he knew his daughter was going to be okay. He tore the rest of the house apart, like I said, just big enough to reach in and pull his daughter to safety. Hallelujah. Before the smoke, before the fire got to her, they began to ask her, what was it? How did it happen? How were you able to come out of that burning fire? She said that she'd fell asleep at the lowest point in the house, in her bedroom, and the fire and the smoke were rising around her. But my brothers and my sisters, just as that little girl cried out to her daddy, I come to tell you today how much more will our Heavenly Father respond when we cry out to Him. Hallelujah. When you cry out, Jesus, I need you. Father, I'm in need today. Hallelujah. It don't matter what you're going through. It don't matter where you're at today in life. No matter where you're at, you can cry out to Him and He will respond. Hallelujah. He will answer. Hallelujah. Maybe the smoke in your life. Maybe it's a family situation. Maybe it's a doctor's report. Maybe a medical situation that's come upon you. But I come today to tell you that the true living God is in the house today. Anything you have need of, He's able today. He's able to do it. He can respond today. Hallelujah. He can save your life. Praise God. Hallelujah. If you're here today and you've never been baptized in the name of Jesus, you can come to this altar and you can cry out to Him. And he will respond, hallelujah. You can be baptized for the remission of sins in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. If you're here today and you never received the gift of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, you can receive that today. The Spirit of the Lord is here. 
Hallelujah. My brother said, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Hallelujah. There's freedom to dance today. There's freedom today to receive what you have need of. But in the Bible, it's full of men and women who have cried out to God. And he's responded in one way or another. In the book of 1 Kings chapter 18, it's the story of Elijah. Chapter 18, verse 21, the word reads, And Elijah came unto the people and said, How long have you been between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him, Not a word. On down in verse 23, the word reads, Lent them, therefore, give us two bullocks, said Elijah. He said, Lent them choose one bullock for themselves and cut it in pieces and lay it on wood. And put no fire under, and I will dress the other bullock and lay it on wood and put no fire under. And he said, and you call on the name of your gods, little G-S, your idols, your customs. Call on your gods, and I will call on the name of the Lord and the God that answereth by fire. Let him be God. And all the people answered and said, it is well spoken. We skip down to 27. The word reads, and it came to pass at noon that Elijah mocked them. (laughs) Elijah began to laugh at these people, began to make fun of them. He said, cry aloud, for he is a God. Are they talking, pursuing, journey, pre-adventure, he sleepeth. And he must be awakened. <laughs> Where is your gods? And they cried aloud and they cut themselves in the manner with knives, lancets, till the blood gushed out upon them. And it came to pass when midday was past, and they prophesied until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice. The word here says that there was neither voice, that means none answered nor any to answer, nor any that regarded. No voice, no person, not any of their gods, not any of their customs, not any of their idols responded to the blood gushing, to their crying out. Verse 30, Elijah said unto all the people, come near unto me. And all the people came near unto him. And he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. And Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob unto whom the word of the Lord came saying, Israel shall be thy name. Verse 33, and he put the wood in order, cut the bullock in pieces and laid him on the wood. He said, fill four barrels with water. And they poured it on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood. (laughs) I don't know about you, but I've never built a fire with wet wood. (laughs) I've never said, my brother, can you pass me a pack of soaking wet matches so I can strike my fire? (laughs) But Elijah was doing something so these people would know that he serves the true living God. Amen. Elijah, he was wetting that fire so they would know that it wasn't the strike of his match or anything under his power that he did. Hallelujah. And he said, do it the second time, do it the third time. And now here's this water running around that trench over the offering, over the sacrifice. 
I'm sure by now the dust has turned to mud. The stone is wet. The water ran about that altar and filled the trench. Verse 36, and it came to pass at the time of the offering that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel, and that I am thy servant, and that I have done all these things at thy word. Hallelujah. He was saying, God, all these things I'm going to do at your word, not my word, not my will, but thy will. Hallelujah. Not my time, but your time, oh God. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody. You may be walking through a wilderness right now. Maybe you're in a dry season today and you need a little rain. Hallelujah. Maybe today your family member's going through something and you need God to respond. Hallelujah. He said, I've done all these things at thy word. And then Elijah began to pray, hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that thou art the Lord God and that thou hast turned their heart back again. First, verse 38, the Lord responded, and the fire of the Lord fell, consumed the burnt sacrifice, the wood, the stone, the dust, licked up all the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, the Lord, he is the God. Hallelujah. The Lord, he is the God. Come on, somebody, the same Lord that responded to Elijah is the same God that is in this house today. Hallelujah. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hallelujah. Cry out to him. Cry out to him. Cry out to him. Just begin to speak that name Jesus over your situation. Jesus over my family. Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Could it be today that what you're walking through, what you're going through, could it be not just for you, but all those eyes that are watching you? Those families that are around you, those on your job, those that are in the school with the kids, they're sitting back. Oh, they're going through a difficult situation. I know what they're going through. Let's see if they continue serving their God. Let's see if they continue. Come on, somebody. You got to stay faithful. You got to. We can't give up now. We can't give in. We got to push on and push forward. This culture is trying to cancel us out and trying to shut God out. But I'm telling you something. They can't shut our God down. He's too great. He's in control today. Whatever you have need of. Just cry out to him today in Jesus' name. I'm going to invite my wife to come at this time and to share. Hallelujah. Cry out to him. Cry out to him. Cry out to him. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Praise the Lord, church. My husband is preaching on crying out to God. The Bible in the New Testament, we have the story of the blind Bartimaeus. The Bible says that he couldn't see. He knew something was going on because he was listening to all the noise that was going around him. So when he heard that noise, he asked, what is going on? What's happening? The Bible tells us that the people told him that it was Jesus Christ, the one that was passing by. And in the moment he heard that it was Jesus, the one that was passing by, he started to say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. In that moment, he realized that the only one that could help him, the only one that had the answer for his cry was there. He started to call into the name of Jesus. 
What does the Bible tell us? That the people try to stop him. They try to, to tell him, hey, be still, hold your peace. But the Bible says that he cried the much more. That happens when you are desperate, when you cannot keep moving, the, living the way you're living, when you can remain the same. That's when you have to get desperate and say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Hallelujah. The Bible says that Jesus heard his cry and he stood still and he commanded the people to bring him forth. When they br brought him forth, he said, what is it that you need? And he said, Lord, that I may receive my sight. The Lord said, receive thy sight. Thy faith has made thee whole. His desperation, his faith in God made him not only to recover his sight, but he was also saved. That's what we need, church. We need to get desperate for Jesus. We need to cry out unto him. When our knees are tired of praying and praying, just keep doing it. He is going to respond to you. He is able He is the only one that can answer to your every need. Keep calling and trusting and believing in Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I would like to share with you a testimony. In Guatemala, there was an 18-year-old woman, and one day she was home alone, and all of a sudden she heard a knock on the door. She went running downstairs, and she opened a little window that was in, the in that door, And then she said, yes, who is this? A man looked at him, at her, I'm sorry, and he said, hey, cousin, how are you? She looked at him and she said, oh, I'm sorry, I don't know you. And he said, it's okay, you were too little when I seen you last. But how's your mom, Ligia, your dad, Miguel? How about your sister, Betsy, your aunts, your uncles, niece, nephew? He started to mention everybody in the family by first name and last name. So after a 15-minute talk, she thought, okay, he's part of the family because he knows everybody. And then in Guatemala, it started to rain real hard, and she thought, oh, if he's part of the family, I don't want him to get wet. So she opened the door in the garage. She invited him in, and she said, wait right here. I'm going to run upstairs, and I'm going to make a phone call. And he said, okay. She went running upstairs, but right before she was able to grab the phone, the man was standing behind her. She got a little nervous, and then he said, may I make a phone call? And she said, yes, you may. She handed him the phone. He made a phone call, and he said, I am in. I am in the house. She got even more nervous. And then he said, can I have a glass of water? She gave him a glass of water. He drank it. Then he asked for a second and a third glass of water. When he drank the third glass of water, he put it on a countertop, and then he pulled out a drawer that was in that kitchen. And that's where they kept the knives. So he grabbed one of those knives. He looked at her and he said, give me all the valuable things that are in your house or I am going to kill you. She was in shock. She didn't know what to do. And the only words that came out of her mouth were, if you do something to me, you're going to be in trouble because I am a daughter of God. But as soon as she said the word God, he got so mad. And he grabbed the girl by the hair and he started to bash her head against a concrete wall. When he couldn't stand it, she fell, and then he started to stomp on her and punch her and stomp on her and punch her. Then he grabbed the knife. And when he was getting to stick it on her throat, she thought, oh, no, I'm here all alone. There's nobody here that can help me. But if I call unto the name of Jesus, he can make a way where there seems to be no way. 
So in that moment, she grabbed that knife and she started to say, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. In that moment, the Lord gave her the strength to bend that knife. And they started to fight against each other. The man then tried to break her neck three times, but she continued to call unto the name of Jesus. Finally, he realized that he wasn't, he wasn't going to be able to kill her, so he decided to escape. She was able to make a phone call, and they rushed her to the hospital. And when she was laying on the hospital bed, she looked to her right, and right there was a tall, big, dark shadow that was leaning over, just looking at her stomach. In that moment, she realized that that was the shadow of death, and that something had happened to her stomach. Her dad showed up, and she looked at him, and she said, Dad, we have to call unto the name of Jesus, because the shadow of that is right here. But if we call unto his name, and if we praise him, he can make a way. They gathered all around that hospital bed, and they started to call unto the name of Jesus. They started to praise him. They started to worship him. The doctor showed up, and he said, she's been stabbed all over her body several times. She's losing so much blood. If she doesn't have a surgery right now, she's going to die. They rushed her out. And when they were turning right to go to the uh, surgery room, she was still able to sit up a little bit. And she saw when the shadow of death was going into the opposite direction. In that moment, she realized that God had already answered to her prayers. And that everything was going to be okay despite the darkness that she was in. That's the kind of God that we served. Years passed. She met her husband. They married. And uh, years keep passing. And they wanted to have a baby. But uh, the doctors had already told her that it was going to be impossible because of all the scar tissue that he had in her body. But they continued to call into the name of Jesus. They continued to cry. Years passed, a lot of miscarriages. Years passed, there was a complete molar pregnancy. There seemed that, they, that the answer was going to be a no. Until one night, she goes to bed, and she has a dream. And in her dream, she was holding a pregnancy test. And the pregnancy test had three lines. And in that moment, she, in her dream, she asked the Lord, Lord, what does the third line mean? And the Lord responded, and he said, that you are indeed pregnant. The next morning, she wakes her husband up and she says, babe, we have to go to the pharmacy, I think. I'm pregnant. They go to the pharmacy. They uh, did the pregnancy test. And it was, it was a positive test. They rejoiced. They were thanking the Lord because he had already answered their prayers. They were so happy. Six months passed. And all of a sudden, she was feeling really, really sick. And they rush her to the hospital to see what it was going on. And they do some tests and they say, one of the stab wounds that you had when you were 18 was left. And it was tiny. It was a tiny hole. But when your belly started to grow, that hole started to get bigger. And when the baby started to kick, he started to uh, push the intestines up in your diaphragm. You need a surgery right now or you are going to die. They rush her to the hospital, they, and then they do a C-section. The doctors come out, and they tell the dad, your baby is born. It's a healthy baby. Be happy. He has to stay in the hospital because he's a premature baby, but he's going to make it. Now, you have to prepare yourself and know that you're going to leave this hospital just with your baby because your uh, wife is in so much uh, trouble that we don't think she's going to make it. 
When he heard that, he grabbed all his family and they started to call and intercede and cry out to God. Five hours later, the doctors came out and they said, she made it. We have to deflate her lung, but she made it. They rejoiced and they were happy and they were thanking the Lord because once again, he had already answered to their prayers. Thank you, Jesus. Church, that's why we come here to tell you all these testimonies for you to know that our God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If he did that for a girl in Guatemala, he can do that for you because he never changes. He doesn't know a territory. He is our God, and he's still able, and he still answers to our cry. I am 100% sure that when you call unto the name of Jesus, he can make a way where there seems to be no way, and he can answer to your every need. I am 100% sure of that. Because that woman in the story, it was me when I was 18. And that kid that you see today, my sister tells it, is the baby that God gave me exactly four years ago. So I know that our God is a mighty God. I know that our God is an awesome God. And that there is absolutely nothing too hard for our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Call it to God. Call it to Jesus. Get desperate. When you feel that you cannot keep moving forward, just say one more time, Jesus, I need you. When you cannot understand what is going on in your life, just say, Jesus, I need you. When you are tired, when you think that you cannot keep marching forward, just say, Jesus, I need you. That's the kind of God that we serve. That's the kind of God that we have. Call unto the name of Jesus. Cry out to the name of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You're a mighty God. You're a mighty God. You're an awesome God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If I tell you my testimony, it's not for you to feel sorry for me or for you to think that I'm somebody because I am nobody. But if I share my testimony with you, it's for you to know the kind of God that we serve. And let me remind you just for a few seconds the kind of God whom we serve. Who is he? He's the Alpha and he's the Omega. He's the creator. He's the great I am. He's the everlasting father. He's the healer. He's the Lord of gods. He's the king of kings. He's the almighty. He's the great shepherd. He's our hope. He's the prince of peace. He's the bread of life. He's our advocate. He's the righteous one. He's the gate. He's our protector. He's the light of the world. He's the 
And just remember that even when the answer of the Lord is a no, he's still the same and he deserves all the glory. Habakkuk 3, 17 to 19 says, Although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be in the vines, the labor of the olive shall fail, and the field shall yield no meat. The flock shall be cut off from the fold, and there shall be no herd in the stalls. What does this mean? When everything is going against you, when nothing is making sense in your life, when you cannot keep moving forward, you can still say what verse 18 and 19 says, yet, yet, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation because the Lord God is my strength and he will make my feet like hands feet and he will make me to walk upon my high places. Yet, you can still rejoice. Yet, you can still cry out unto him. Yet, you can still remember that he's our great and mighty God. Yet, keep moving forward in the name of Jesus. Amen. Can we stand to our feet all over this house right now? I don't know what your situation may be today, but the presence of the true living God is in this house. Can you stand today? Can you come? Can we pray together as a family today? In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806, or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening, and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.